I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, question. Hello, this is Vic Cohen broadcasting live. Yes, it's live from Skid Row Studios in stunning downtown Los Angeles. (laughs) It is just a beautiful, beautiful Los Angeles evening here. (laughs) The name of the show is It's a Fair Question, because on this show, you know, every question is a fair question. There is no question that is ever too personal or off limits. Got that, guest? Yeah. Okay. I'll be the judge of that, though. Well, yes, you will, very shortly. If you're new to the show, each episode, we spend an hour with an, a good friend of mine, a fr- someone I've known over the years, someone who... Uh, who interests me, who I think has a fascinating story. and um, But we do more than just learn about what they do, like their career. Often they do interesting things. It's about really getting inside the person. And I don't mean in a sexual way. Because I know a lot of you were thinking that. Awkward pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. So tonight, I've got a very good friend. This guy, he is multi-talented. And he is not only in his own right, extremely talented and gifted, he's had a great opportunity to work with others who are um, also quite uh, talented and people you know. And we're going to talk about uh, what he's done, who he's worked with, what, what got him to where he is in life right now, and uh, some of the challenges he's had to overcome, some of the victories, some of the defeats. I feel like there should be ABC Wide World of Sports Music playing. <laughs> With the skier falling down and breaking every bone in his body. You know what I think would be funny? If I never, I took about, I don't know, maybe 50 minutes to just do the introduction. And then say, and let's welcome. Yeah, there's there's not enough material. I'm getting close to that right me. now. I got to just say it. There's Damon Jones is on the show. Hello, Damon. Thank you, Vic. It's great to be here. I'm honored to be here. Well, you should be. Yes, I am. <laughs> That's nice. I am. It's very gracious of me. I definitely am. No, yeah. you know, we've talked a lot about you being on the show. And, and yeah. sometimes I have friends and they'll be like, yeah, well, I'd love to do it. And then like they're like, no, that n-. I wasn't sure if you were really going to do it or not. Yeah, man. I was starting to question this it. Is, this is, I'm, I'm popping my podcast cherry. Really? Never done a podcast? Never done a podcast. Well, Listen to a lot of podcasts. But never been on. That's a crime. It's never been right. on. No. Well, I will be gentle. And I will promise to cuddle Thank after this. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. I just want communication to be open. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to tell you, I don't just podcast with anyone. Okay. Well, that's good. No, I only do it once a week <laughs> with someone. And, and usually okay. a different person. If you'd like to give us a call, by the way, the number is 800-893-9562. Now, Damon Jones, just to be clear, is not the Damon Jones... From Galveston, Texas. Not the one that played for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Miami Heat. Right. That is not who we're talking about. That is not. I look, we look very similar. Yes. Very similar. I believe that. Um, I'm saying this. Very large African-American man that had a very successful basketball career. And you're kind of a small white man. Yeah. Who's having a very successful career. Smallish. Yeah. Let's talk about your career, Damon. My career? Which one? Well, I looked up some of your credits. Oh, yeah? And they were pretty interesting. Yeah. How many people can say they had a credit on Seinfeld? 
Not uh, you or me. No, I'm just God, kidding. But you. They, you. Well, they did, I mean, 160-something episodes, so probably quite a few. But Is this right? I, I wrote you played Watkins. I in- played Watkins. Um, the episode was actually one of the funnier ones. I didn't watch the show that much, but the, the show, that was my first gig in L.A. I just moved to L.A. about a year before. What year are we talking? It says 90. Well, it's an interesting story because they hired me four times. On Seinfeld. On Seinfeld, and I kept getting cut. Like, I, I did, uh, I, I showed up for my first one, this is like 95, and I show up, and we're in rehearsal, and Jason Alexander does something, and I just had like two lines. And he does something, makes a choice, Larry David laughs, Seinfeld laughs, and I go, okay, that's great, let's do it that way, let's, and then we're going to cut your lines. Mm-hmm. So it was like my first gig, and they cut me during rehearsal, and I was like heartbroken. Cut but they the were part like, out? Entirely? Uh, yeah, just, well, they, I, at rehearsal, they cut my so part. So you weren't yeah. even on camera? No, they never even shot it. But, you know, Larry David comes up and goes, I, I swear, I'll get you in, you know, another show, I promise. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I know how that goes. But they, they were very nice. Then they actually brought me back the next year, shot a little one-line bit with John O'Hurley as Jay Peterman. And uh, that wound up being on the cutting room floor. So I didn't make the episode, but I got paid and everything. Were you nervous and, doing either of those jobs, like? No, I was I was so stoked. I mean, I was, like the one line. Were you? Do you remember the one line? Yeah, uh, it's we're I'm, it's me and Elaine and Jay Peterman sitting in Jay Peterman's office, and uh, I'm just a coworker of Elaine's, and she accidentally she, he's giving her a lecture, and she accidentally shoots him in the eye with a rubber band, and he screams and runs out, and I just look at her and I go, "We are so screwed." And is that is that the read you gave it? Hmm. Okay, I could see why you were cast. There was some magic. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Well, it was it was just that I like literally gave it no feeling and dry. I think so that scary. was where the comedy was coming from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that was cut, and then I auditioned a third time. They kept bringing me back because they were nice. Wait, now and, you don't get a credit for that if they cut it out? I guess you can't. It's just what uh, scene? I don't. I, I still get residuals for like two dollars and seven cents. That's weird to so. this day. But anyway, listen. I, the third time got hired. Uh, at the casting, it was. they told me I had the job at the casting directors. I was driving home and they called while I was driving home. So we just wrote the part out. Oh. And I still got paid for that. Um, and when then, you say you got paid as if you had performed? Yeah, I got paid like the day rate or whatever. You got residuals even though you weren't in it? I got residuals for the first one because uh, they wound up putting me in the diner, like in the booth behind your So you, so you were kind of like an extra. Almost. Yeah, I was an extra in there, but they paid me my daily rate and everything. But then the last season, the third to last episode ever... They brought me back. They gave me a full guest starring role. I played Watkins uh, in what I thought was a really funny bit, which was that uh, Costanza wants a cool nickname. So he's got this plan. He's going to get try to get everybody at work and all of his friends to start calling him T-Bone. T-Bone. Because he thinks that'll give him more cred. <laughs> and he tries at work during a business meeting and it backfires and because he orders a T-Bone steak at uh, lunch for lunch. You know, for takeout. And I said, that sounds good. I'll have one too. And the boss and everybody goes, Watkins, you're having a T-bone? We should call you T-bone. And it's, it's, it, it was a really fun episode and people, people remember it and everything. But that was like one of my first gigs. It was really fun. Did it's you just, have a lot of lines in that? Yeah, I was in like three scenes. Um, not a ton of lines because, you know, there's, the, the show is about those four people. Were you nervous? The, the, not really. I was really? Exhil- like I was exhilarating. Think, I but was there was so, no nerves. Like, I don't want to fuck up. You know, I mean, I no, imagine if you really. had three lines or three words, that's one thing. But yeah, it was really fun. And, and it couldn't have been a more like laid back atmosphere because it's, I mean, and, and looking back, I'm like, well, 
shit, yeah, if I was making a million dollars a week, I'd be pretty laid back too. I'd be pretty happy. Or you'd be super anxious because that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, to but deliver. they were all so relaxed and just down to earth and cool. So it was right. a great gig. I mean, it was it was a really cool first gig to have. Yeah, that's so. amazing. Now, we, how did you yeah. get the audition? Um, I pestered uh, Mark Hirschfeld, uh, the casting director. How, how do you go about, I, I mean, just, that sounds that very a, wrong. It was like, a that's lucky not what you're thing. supposed to do. Well, I've heard different things. I mean, Mark Hirschfeld, I mean, he was, Lieberman Hirschfeld was the casting office at that time, and they cast a bunch of things, uh, and Seinfeld was their big one. And um, I actually just kept sending him my headshot, and then I had a friend of a friend call him and say, ask if I could get five minutes in his office just to say hi. And he did, and I came in and just said hi to him everything, and miracle of miracles, he, like, was so nice and, like, Look at my headshot and all that stuff, and then I just thought I'm a starving actor. You know, go back to my waiting job. And were you waiting well, tables? Oh yeah, I waited tables and bartended. Where were you waiting tables? On the Santa Monica Promenade. What restaurant? Um, well, it's interesting because it's we were just talking about monsoon. Right. That place was called in the mid '90s. It was a place called Renaissance. And it was like a supper club, and it was a kind of a hot club and everything. And, and you were a waiter there. Yeah, I was a waiter there and a bartender. And then it, the ownership kept changing, and so they kept changing the name of the restaurant, and it would get remodeled and become something else, like Mustard Cafe. Or so you came out here as an actor. Yeah. In '95. Yeah, '95. And were you acting? I know you're from Texas. Were you an actor yeah. in Texas? Oh uh, yeah, I did theater at UT Austin. Um, that's where I started doing. Were you theater. a theater major? Yeah. Theater major, um, got a BA in theater. You did live shows? Live shows, musicals, Shakespeare, everything. It was really fun. UT Austin has a great theater department. It was really, really fun. Um, but I started doing theater in high school, and musical theater and singing and playing guitar and stuff like that. So I uh, did that. And then uh, I got a, a offer to go study with this guy uh, at the Oslo Conservatory for grad school, which is Florida State's graduate acting program. That sounds creepy. Some guy. Some uh, famous guy. Okay, uh, like, a, uh, like a teacher. Jose Quintero, who is no longer with us, but he's... Uh, he was you, a, you killed uh, him yeah, with all yeah, your wonderful acting. I acting. killed him. My performances <laughs> literally put him down. Your Shakespeare. <laughs> no, but it was Florida State's graduate program, and I went out there and... I didn't know that... Are they known for a, a good program? Was it him in particular that had uh, It was him in particular and another guy named Jim Wise, who's a really good teacher. Um, Wait, Jim Wise, the actor we were talking about? No, no. Okay. Different Jim Wise. Not, in, well, by the I way, also, not when we were talking about here. No, I have another we friend named Jim Wise. We were speaking about yeah. him prior yeah. to this yeah. interview. No, it's a different guy. Different okay. guy. This was a guy that was the head acting teacher. But Jose Quintero was a guy that was like a... He had directed a bunch of Broadway shows and was known for being a Tennessee Williams... Eugene O'Neill interpreter. It was cool. I mean, it was a cool experience. I, I you know, I, I wanted to study acting. You I wanted to work. Fun. You wanted to go to school in the most conservative states in the country. So yes. you went from Texas yes. to Florida, and then you did a stint in Alaska. Is that right? We, right. Exactly. The I went to uh, Juno Theater Company. <laughs> I went to Equatorial Guinea to do some <laughs> improv workshops. That would I worked out really well. Now here's the deal. If you don't know Damon, like I do. Damon is comes from a place where a family, we're going into theater would not be probably the parents' first choice. Yeah. Describe I, I, your dad. Well, my dad is a football coach, a longtime football coach. I actually played for him in high school. Um, while and, you were doing musicals. Yeah, while I was doing musicals. And ironically, he was actually really, when I started like having those awkward conversations where it's like, hey, I'm going to uh, skip out of practice early 
to go to rehearse, you know, Greece. I, yeah, or, or <laughs> Greece or Annie Get Your Gun or whatever the fuck we were doing. I did Fiddler on the Roof when I was a senior. Nice. It was really fun. Uh, but, I, you know, I started saying, you know, I'm going to skip out of practice and football became not as much a priority. My dad was actually the coolest one. My dad's a pretty... Well, I'm surprised. It's the other coaches. It's the other like redneck coaches that were just like, you need to get your priorities straight, boy. You need to be out on this ball field and practicing. Do you do you feel like your dad is a redneck? No, he's actually not. He's country. I mean, he's from Texas, but he's it's a fair question. I hate to ask it. Hey. I think you've got a show titled in there somewhere, Victor. I'm working it in. Yeah. Uh, no, my dad is actually a really well-read guy. He's got a master's degree. He's a teacher. Read uh, the TV guide every week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> TV guide every week. No, he does yoga. I mean, he's like 72 years old. Wow, that's great. He's got, uh, you know, he's a, he's a very uh, virile guy, obviously a football guy. But, like, you know, he does yoga now. He meditates. He's a really... Pretty, he's he's a seeker. He's like a, he's a, he reads a lot. He's a very spiritual dude. Do you attribute your creativity to your father? A lot. He has a great sense of humor. Uh, he's very playful. Uh, he loves to laugh. Um, there was always a record on in my house. Always uh, they had hundreds and hundreds of records. So that was really your influence for music because you're yeah. also a musician. All, yeah. Also, I mean, we there was just always a record on as long as I can remember, and that was and that's to this day I always have music on. It was just it was always so great. My my parents had really eclectic, really cool musical tastes. So my mom had her musicals, her Broadway musicals, and there was a lot of country and a lot of funk and R and B and a lot of hard rock and a lot of old school country and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, music. There was so there was it was a very artistic household, you know. Now I it's a you know I want to get into so much more with you, and um, I know that not only have you accomplished a lot, which we're going to get into more of that, but you've also worked with a lot of very successful writers and actors mm -hmm. in the entertainment world. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Now you are currently directing a show at the Groundlings. Uh -huh. Describe yeah. to those listening and those not listening you do not have to describe well to i'll them. have to just talk louder <laughs> yeah that's right. right tell me about the groundlings tell everyone groundlings is a comedy troupe here in la um they've been around since 74 i think they started and it started with people like Wee herman and lorraine newman and phil hartman uh john lovitz uh, and of course, Will Ferrell and people like Kristen Wiig over the years, Lisa Kudrow have all come from there. Um, it is a sketch comedy. It's kind of known now as a kind of a the West Coast farm team for Saturday Night Live. There's a lot of Saturday Night Live people like Taryn Killam, um, uh, Nassim Padrad, who are on the on Saturday Night Live right now. That came from SNL. A lot of writers. Um, but it's just, I started taking classes there when I first came out here, and I just fell in love with it. I love the the comedy, the sketch writing. I'd never really written before. Um, but they have a writing lab and there's a school and I went through the whole school and just loved it. Um, so you, yes, you, mm -hmm. you, that kid, you know who I'm talking about, you. Mm -hmm. You can come out here like Damon did. Mm -hmm. You didn't know anyone, You right? can be a recovering Texan. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you didn't, you didn't have any ins. I didn't, did I didn't really know anyone. Um, I literally knew no one. I mean, I was that guy that like had everything he owned in the back of his little Chevy Blazer and just drove out here and started crashing on couches and stuff. At least it was a Blazer, not a Miata. Uh, yeah, that's kind that's of impressive. Very true. That's very true. I yeah. couldn't afford a Miata. Well, I was just thinking it was so small. Yeah, that, that it would be, it'd be less stuff you could bring. That's yeah, that's very true. But a Blazer. Yeah. So the reason I think it's important to just for people to know, like like myself who came out here not knowing people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That this idea that everything in Hollywood is about who you know, 
while relationships can develop mm -hmm. through professional work, most people I know started their professional career in the entertainment business, not knowing anyone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I know would, a lot of people like that too. I mean, you know, there is the nepotism thing. I mean, I do see that occasionally, that's but everywhere, but like, no not one's just from entertainment. here. No one's from here. Like LA is just like, no one's really, I don't know that many people that grew up in LA. People come here to get into entertainment. So yeah, yeah I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of people, uh, start with really no connections. But well, I also find that people who have not gotten to where they want or even close to where they want to get who live out here will often fall back into, oh, it's just who you know. And it's... Use it know, as an excuse yeah. to not do anything, right? And yes, right. it can help. But most, like I said, the people that I run into who are successful... Yeah. Didn't know anyone. And like, you know, I've talked about um, on the show working with Howie Mandel. Mm -hmm. He didn't know anyone. Right. No one gave him anything. Yeah. No one gave Jay Leno anything. But you go out and you start doing sets and you start doing stand-up and you start writing and you start getting involved and you start meeting people. And you the do. Ground, it's the about the doing. It's about the doing, yeah, taking action. And the Groundlings was just a, that rare thing, I think, for actors in L.A. especially, in that it gave me like a home base. It gave me a home and I like their philosophy. I like their improv. I like the, the real positive attitude and, and the energy of the place. And, of course, it had tradition because so many... You know, it'd been around for a long time and it's a nice space, but they had a structure. They had a program there that was really cool. I liked the school. I liked the teachers. Um, and I was in the company for about 11 years. And now uh, I'm not in the company anymore, but I'm directing shows there. I'm directing a show right now called uh, Groundlings Prom After Party, which uh, runs until July 6th. Um, it's every Friday and Saturday night, but it's it's just super fun. It's mostly sketches. Uh, you Where know, can like, people buy tickets? You can buy tickets at groundlings.com. You can buy them on Gold Star. You can get them at the box office. Um, yeah. there's, there's shows there almost every night of the week. There's a Sunday company, which is like our junior company, which is an amazing show. It's every Sunday at 7.30. You know, my, this, this show that I'm doing is on Friday and Saturday nights at 8 and 10. There's a Thursday night all improv show. And I've been to your show, the one yeah. you just did, and I try yeah, to support all your shows. Yeah, you've been to so, a lot and, of my shows. Yeah. And I thought your show, I think this one in particular, I mean, I love them all. This one is just jam-packed with funny. Oh, thanks. It's such a thanks. great show. It's a really good cast. It's nine people uh, that I've known I've known most of them pretty for a pretty long time. There's a couple of real new people, but they're just really good writers. They write a lot. They're very prolific. They just keep trying well, stuff. One thing you know? I want to, before we get into, I do want to discuss that. One of the other things that popped in my head just now is Flo, the guy, the uh, progressive lady. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's a groundling. Yeah. That's Stephanie Courtney. Um, and so you all listening can say that you know one groundling for sure. Mm -hmm. she's, she's still in the company, right? She just stepped down from the company, but she was in about the same years that I was in. I did a ton of shows. What is her. she worth now? God, I don't know what she's making on the campaign. I hope I a mean, shitload because she is literally every website you open. There's a banner ad. It's on billboards. It's in magazines. It's everywhere. There's a heavy flow. There's a heavy <laughs> flow. No, I, you know, she's a great friend and like one of my favorite people. She couldn't be a nicer person, but also like, ferociously talented, like can sing like a bird, great song improviser. Like just to see her on stage, she's one of those magical people, which I think you can kind of tell she's got that great personality. But yeah, that's been a nice gig for her. But it's always interesting because, you know, something like that, I think when I, every conversation I have about that, I'm like, what else is she going to do? She's so ubiquitous. Here's now. what she'll do. First of all, Cash that's a not of, a problem. Cash a bunch of fucking checks? No. Oh. If I were her agent, okay. if I were her manager, mm -hmm. it's very simple. He looks nothing in real life like 
flow the character with the crazy red lipstick and the over the top makeup. Who does? Who does? She does not in real life. That actress. Yeah. Oh, Stephanie. Yeah. She's yeah, fine. They, they do her up. Yeah. So I don't think you being ubiquitous. She's ubiquitous as this cartoon character. Yeah, it is kind of but cartoony. Yeah. I, I mean, I had to do a very, very hard double take, like mm-hmm. really analyze to see her in person. And I had the good right. fortune to see her in one of your shows. Yeah. But I don't, she's actually, as opposed to, and this is dating myself a little, Joe the Zuzu guy. Right. Yeah, I remember Joe the Zuzu guy. He's just Joe yeah. the Zuzu guy. Yeah. But she's got a whole nother thing going. She does. And, and you know, there's a, there's actually, you can see somewhere on the internet, like on YouTube, there's uh uh, she did an appearance on Mad Men uh, two or three years ago, I think right before she got the gig. And she plays a woman like in that old 60s, the phone room, you know, where the operators are and they're like patching calls literally with wires. Yeah. And there's three women that are all phone operators for the building, you know, and she's one of them. She's got the kind of the cat glasses on and the hair up in the beehive and she looks phenomenal, but it's her. And you and you have to do like a double or triple take to see that it's her. Yeah, she's know? in the best situation. Now, this yeah. is a story that blew me away. After one of the shows, um, you took me up to the green room upstairs. I had a chance to hang out with you and some of the cast yeah. that particular night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that night we had uh, Flo mm-hmm. there. And we also had another actress. Mm-hmm. And this story has never left my mind. It had come down to for the character of Flo between this actress we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Her name again? Stephanie Courtney. And another actress in the same exact show. And it was, uh, my my memory is it was between the two of them, another oh, lady. Oh, really? Do you remember who it was? Um, I think it was the one you and I talked about prior to the show, the one who you said is so <laughs> hilarious, but she wasn't in this current show. Okay. She does commercial. Blonde, yes. Uh, Annie Surditch, probably. I think. Yeah, Annie Surditch is one of those people I've worked with a lot, too, and she's in the current ground. Like, I mean, you see her all over in commercials. But this is the Pretty- killer. Imagine. Yeah. And I'm not sure I could have butchered this story. And I apologize to both you actresses. If that's if true, that's not surprising because she's she does a ton of commercials. She works a lot. She's a very successful actor. She works a ton and makes a good living. And uh, also just one of those, like Stephanie, is like lights out on stage. Just quick, great improviser, really funny. Also, like my personal preference, she goes very dark. She can get very, very dark on stage, darkly funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I like also, what I'm hearing from you right now, yeah. is these are people who are talented. Yeah. yeah. You know, generally, people who are talented can yeah. really go far. And, you know, there's also this feeling I get amongst fellow actors, comics, that it's all luck mm-hmm. and that, you know, um, it's they forget talent. Yeah. Because there's sometimes a sense of, I think people get jealous. Mm-hmm. And they just go, it's just a matter of flipping a coin and, you know, they got yeah, it. Yeah, honestly, Vic, I think it's probably, I think it's a combination of both. I don't think it's black and white. I mean, I think you can have talent, but I know a ton of talented people that are, that haven't quit their day jobs and don't do shit. But they most sit around. People, and I've been, I've done that before. I've, I've sat around, you know, waiting for the phone to ring and that's a mistake. Right. You know, but here's, here's mistake. what I'm saying is not that those who aren't getting in are talented are not talented. But those who often are generally the most successful people I have found mm-hmm. really are talented. Sure. Doesn't mean they're necessarily more talented than someone else, but they. But there's lots of very uh, people that I don't think are talented that have been very successful and lucky and a combination. But I think it's the people, it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease a lot of the times. So, I mean, there's people, you can go out there and work your ass hey, off. Hey, talented doesn't mean necessarily being a talented actor or actress. You could be talented 
at selling yourself. Oh, you talent. Shit, yeah. There's some talent there. That's just America. But, and I'm kind of switching because originally I really was thinking talent. But I'm thinking yeah. now I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But there's another kind of talent involved in those situations. Well, yeah, there's people that know how to network. I, 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 I would say that my... That's something that I really admire in people that I that I think is one of my shortcomings is the talent to network and not feel like you're schmoozing and be able to ask for what you want and ask people for help and do favors for yourself and put yourself in a position to gain opportunities in the business. Without and looking opportunistic. Yeah, without, and what, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, be able to ask for what you want. And there's people that I know that are able it's almost like it's it's i agree with you it's its own art form people can be very aggressive and very assertive without seeming like a dick without seeming schmoozy obnoxious yeah now you've worked alongside melissa mccarthy correct yeah, yeah. how many years had you worked with her we got in the the, we started at the groundlings uh right about the same time in the mid 90s 96 97 and, and she was there we 10 were, years you were there 11 yeah we were in the company about the same about the exact same window. We were in the Sunday company together and then got in the main company about Your the same Your impression time. of her as an actress. Just unbelievable. She's on stage, just a great improviser. There's, you know, there's good improvisers. There's funny people. There's good actor actors. But like she's one of the rare people I think you can count on one hand that goes on stage and just has whatever it is where the audience just falls in love with them immediately. She has the likability. Yeah, well, it's just it's just an energy, it's a magic. She's just super smart and funny, but there's just that extra kind of intangible thing and I've there's only a handful of people that I've ever worked with that just the crowd, you can feel it. That you, you root for her. Yeah. And she's also just super funny, good writer and and just great energy and isn't afraid to go anywhere isn't afraid to say or do anything. Have you ever seen her flop? No, not really. Come on, Dan. I mean, we've all, I mean, we worked for years and years and years and being in the groundlings and writing shows and constantly writing and rewriting. And, you know, it means constantly writing and trying bits, you know, and of course, you know, you put them up and you put them in shows and you do preview shows and sometimes in the main show and, and sometimes the audience just isn't with you and sometimes bits don't work and sometimes they kill. But you keep the ones that aren't working, you keep working them. You keep refining Well, there are some that you think, I would suspect there are some that are completely dead on arrival. Oh, yeah. And you just put them to sleep immediately. Yeah. But, you know, I think what's good about this current show that I'm in is these writers, they write a lot. They're very prolific. And so as a director, I got to look at a lot of different ideas. And that made the quality of the show, I think, better in the end. Because I can only put 15 sketches for an hour and a half show you know, 15 different sketches. But I think during, we wrote for about a month and I think they probably wrote 120, 130 bits that I got to look at. Yeah. You know, and I chose the ones that I thought I had promise and then we just workshopped the shit out of them. And, um, well, they were great. I mean, it was, yeah. like I said, from really top fun to bottom. and super talented cast. So I, my job is kind of easy. God, yeah, it's so fun. If you're going to see a show at the Groundlings Theater, I really recommend this one and I recommend it, you doing it soon. Yeah. The, the place was after packed. Party, yeah. And the prom after party is the show we're talking about in particular. And I'm not just, you know, trying to prop it up because Damon's here. Um, but you can. But it helps. But it is extra motivation too. But Absolutely. no, I mean, I really did love it and I wouldn't be so emphatic about it. You sat on the front row. I have a seat that I always sit on. Yeah, you it's always the sit best there. seat. Yeah. I sit you next s- to Larry. Yeah, you sit next to Larry, the guitar player, while yeah. he blasts his 
Hendrix medleys. It's great. In your ear. I just love being there, you know, and he and where he know he recognizes me cuz, you know, that's my seat. Yeah, he recognizes it. I love He's, that seat. Yeah. Right in the front row far if you're ever going, it's audience left. That's the best yeah, seat in the front left. row. Yeah. You can have your arm actually on the band uh the pit. It's not really a pit, but You know that uh Larry Treadwell, the guitarist for the Groundlings band in the pit, he uh he was the guitarist for Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science. You remember that song? No. And he played with Cindy Lauper. He's so cool. He's like this journeyman guitarist. He's, He's a nice guy too. Laid back dude, but man, he can absolutely shred. That th- that guitar of his is pretty crazy. Well, he builds his own guitars. I mean, wow. those guitars are all like Frankensteined things yeah, that he builds cool. in his shop. Yeah. Let's talk about Kristen Wiig for just a moment. Yeah. Also a fellow Groundling you yeah. worked with. Yeah. She was in the Groundlings at the same time I was and... We did a few shows together and, and she's somebody I knew for a long time before I even got in the company. We just kind of knew each other from around. Beautiful in person always? Yeah, just super nice and funny and always playful. and Pretty? Yeah, very pretty. You never yeah. dated her? No, I never did. Never thought about it? No. Why? I was always in other relationships. I also, the Groundlings, I kind of just chose not to date within that company. I just wanted to, I wanted that place to be... Uh, there's a lot of, it gets incestuous as any theater company or any gossipy. company. Yeah, gossipy and, and dating and you can date each other and all that stuff. But, but isn't that yeah. what people do in a theater company? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, isn't that part of why I people think, get into But I've been company. in a lot of theater companies. I've done a lot of stuff and I've just chose to to keep that separate. It's probably why you're directing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, at some point you yeah. can, you can, people get tired of the stuff, you know, like crap yeah. of, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I just, but yeah, Kristen is keep an it clean. old friend. Actually, she was married for a, a long time, so during the time I was in the company. So you got so. these two. I know that, you know, I don't want to go through the long list because that would be really the whole episode here if we were to talk about everyone you work with. No, at the ground. Worked sure. with. So you've got people, and you and I get it because we're friends. We've talked off mm-hmm. mic about this, um, but I do want to hear your answer here because the question's a little different. You've got these people who, as you've told me, are international film stars. Mm-hmm. They're they're mega, mega successful. They've got the talent. Mm-hmm. You've got the talent. Mm-hmm. And but they've got the stardom right now. Yeah. I say right now because it's an unpredictable world. Sure. And how does that sit with you? It's hard. I mean, it's, but it's also, it's a mixture, you know, I'm very happy for them and they're certainly deserving. I mean, Melissa's movie, I think her last movie made like a hundred million dollars and I'm like, Bridesmaids, you know, just for you, everyone yeah, knows. And, and she, Mike and Molly, just yeah, I want to make that bride, clear. Who she and is. Bridesmaids, you know, Kristen and another Groundlings friend, uh, Annie Mumolo wrote that movie and I'm like, well, of course, of course it's a funny movie. Of course it is. I've watched these people kill on stage for years. I mean, it's never been a part of them not having talent. And there's tons of people at the Groundlings now, you know, that I see that I'm just like, God, they could be in any of these comedy movies I see. Cause I go to, you know, all the movies, I see the TV shows and I see people on TV. I'm like, I know 10 people that would have been able to make that scene better. That would have made that scene funnier. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, uh, do, do I wish that I was an international film star? I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, you know, I've been but... lucky because I've been able to make a living. I, you know, I've been able to sell scripts. I've been able to, you know, I, I have had an acting career that's kind of phased more into behind the camera stuff, and I've been able to make a living. So I'm comfortable and and happy with that. But my, you know, I always want to push further and and keep working with the people that I get to work with. But it, I, it's actually it's it's really um, it's fun. Because now, uh, you know, I've been working a lot of gigs with people that I met through the Groundlings. 
you know, uh, Michaela Watkins and I do a lot of writing now. Um, we've written several scripts together and, and she was a grounding. She was on Saturday Night Live for like a year and, and she's great. And I, these are people that I've met all through there. So, um, you know, I think there's enough to go around. I, 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 all I ever wanted to do when I came to LA as an actor was just, I just want to make a living. I want to make a comfortable living and I want to do what I like to do. I just cannot work an office job. I tried every other fucking job in the world and I was a miserable failure. Did you just not have the gene for it? I, yeah, I, I just think I'm being in an office and I just can't stand it. It's ironic now I spend most of my time writing, you know, for, for money, um, which I, but I enjoy that. But you won't do it in an office. No, I just refuse. can't. Starbucks. I'm, yeah, I'm a Somewhere. Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks coffee bean. But I'm not, we won't tell you which one. Yeah. Because we don't want you bothering I'll just, I'll, No, I'll tell them all of them. <laughs> I'm doing a world tour. <laughs> I have a great joke. I think it's a really funny I can't joke. wait to hear it. I say, I go, I, uh, I mean, I've, we've already, I, you know what? I can't say because we've already kind of said the punchline. I'll just say it, but it's, it works on stage where you go, you know, I've, I'm really excited. I just moved into a bigger office. You know, uh, I just went from the Starbucks on, you know, Ventura yeah, and Laurel to the one. Yeah, and, the bigger one. Yeah, yeah. Because that's basically, um, that's where everyone's working. Yeah. Space. I do drink entirely too much coffee. So, um, not to get, I mean, as much as I'd like to talk about your coffee drinking, you're not going to derail. No, that's Dana. something I, not. that's off. That's off limits. That's show too. It's off limits. But let's talk about, I am fascinated by, um, how much you've lost when it comes, this is more of a personal question, your weight. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I knew you when you were what, four or 500 pounds? I was, yeah, I was actually, <laughs> uh, I was big boys stand in. No, which you. Which is weird because I'm a white guy. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, uh, yeah, recently in the last couple of years, uh, I stopped eating sugar and flour and really adjusted my diet because diabetes runs in my family. Um, and I went to the doctor and, and all my blood work was just fucked. So um, I, you know, I got a diet plan and started doing it and, and lost about 45 pounds. Really? But yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I took you out to dinner once before you went on the plan. Yeah. And that cost me a fortune. That did not turn out well for you. Did Katsuya. It? That did but not. it was well worth it. I remember that. That was great. Yeah. yeah. You were nailing those. Uh, I forgot I was, the mani. You were very generous. I forget <laughs> what they were because I didn't look at them long enough. They yeah, it was right just a blur. My, yeah, they went right into my maw. Well, when it comes to weight, has this been an issue in your life? Yeah, in general? I fought it. here's what happened. I mean, I, I played football all my life. I could eat anything I wanted. I was always an athlete. And then I went to college and literally my first semester, not just my first year, my first semester gained 30 or 35 pounds and came home for Christmas. And I was just, I was miserable. I hated where I was and uh, I was uh, living in the dorm. I was just drinking and eating and just, just miserable. I hated it. Um, Mainly because I was, I was like, I have to be a business major. I have to be responsible and get a job. And I just fucking hated it uh, and gained a lot of weight. And I spent like the last, the next 25 years trying to get rid of that weight. I, I fought with my weight ever since. And it was just, uh, it was a matter of like portions and, and the sugar just like affects your mental health like crazy. And I'm very compulsive with sugar. You know, like donuts and cookies and stuff. You don't eat, you don't eat any sugar? No sugar, no. I eat fruit, which is like sucralose. About Splenda, but yeah, I have Splenda. Yeah, in my coffee, I have uh, unsweetened soy milk in my coffee. Do you I, feel that sugar was affecting your mood, like oh depression-wise yeah. or oh, anxiety-wise? Yeah. Big time, big time. Mainly because I would binge on it. I, I wasn't a guy that I mean, I was like an alcoholic with, uh, 
mm. with sugar. I, I couldn't just like have one cookie or one donut or one Coke. I mean, I would just keep going and going and going until, you know, I mean, I would binge on it. But yeah, I think my, and you know, I went to the doctor and she's like, she's like, it's interesting because you work out and your heart rate and your blood pressure is actually really good, but your blood sugar <laughs> Is that of like a 400 pound man? It's like off the charts. Your blood pressure? No, my blood sugar. She's wow. like, it's, she's like, it's off the freaking charts. It's, it's nuts. You, she's like, you obviously literally put so much sugar into your body. You need to like do something about what it. What were you doing? Eating a box just, of fruit lips uh, every morning? Just, yeah. Binging on like donuts, cookies. I was always eating sweets. I was always eating candy. <laughs> Emotional eating? Oh yeah. Just comfort food. That's, I've always been that way. I've always comfort food. Nope. So I just, uh, I went and uh, the doctor actually helped me with it a lot. Did you go to a general practitioner or was this a weight doctor? This was, uh, this was a general practitioner. This was getting a physical. This was a few years ago. And then I just got my first physical since that physical like three weeks ago. And they were like, wow, you're down like 45 pounds and your cholesterol and everything is down to normal. It was That's quick. Great. But I didn't, you know, flour... And sugar are definitely, I, I miss them, but I found it hasn't been that hard. Flour? Once I, so that's the diet. No flour, no sugar. No flour, no sugar. And I watch my portions pretty much. I mean, I eat mostly fruits and vegetables and like whole grain. I eat, you know, chicken and fish and stuff. Steak. Let's talk about the mental state mm -hmm. of an artist. Yeah. Now, when I'm on a show, when I'm writing and acting on a show, mm -hmm. the mood is great. Oh yeah, me too. Creative. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Day the show ends, I'm still exhilarated. Next day, I'm relaxed. It was a great time. Yeah. yeah. Weekend, I'm having my weekend like everyone else. Absolutely. It's a great weekend. Yeah. I've been I worked during the week. I'm yeah. feeling good. Monday, get up a little later than normal. Yeah. And that's when you start pacing your apartment like well, I do. I start to feel. I start to forget. Mm -hmm. Like. Everything I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And and then it, and instead of being like there's a rocket under my ass, it's more like I got to really come up with some motivation to get. Oh, that. yeah. And I get down like still. I mean, not as bad as when I was eating so much sugar and stuff. But but uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I would pace my pace in my apartment and just. And you know what? It's so funny, Vic, because like whether it's you or any other of my friends that are in the entertainment business, it's like actors, writers directors, whatever, the comedians, like this is what, this is 95% of what we talk about is our mental state. Is, are you depressed today? Are you pissed off today? Are you finding that? Are you, oh so my you God. and I aren't the only ones you're yeah. talking? I thought, I thought it was so kidding. special. Backstage just, at the Groundlings, it's like these people, I go and watch them on stage and just get the privilege of watching them do these sketches. And it's so funny and they make people laugh so hard. And then, but like backstage will... We're, we're just talking about our lives and it's just like, why am I so fucking anxious all the time? It's like, well, because you chose a business where, you know, it's 95% unemployment all the time, you know? And it's like, you don't know where your next check is going to come from right. and nothing is certain. And it's very competitive and it's, but it's like, this is what we do, you know? Do we have some kind of, uh, I want to say death wish. Do we have, you know what I think it is? Tell me if you agree. A very high threshold for pain. Uh, for anxiety and, and anguish. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And the odd yeah. part for me that I find so strange is that I kind of am wired anxious. I mm -hmm. was an anxious kid, although I was very social and fun. I was too. And I, was too. I still am. I, I pop my knuckles like crazy. I'm a big knuckle cracker. I pop your knuckles? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Same, not mine. Which but, feels which feels a lot better than when I do it. Yeah, I'm not very gentle with you, myself. Yeah, but I always do it in a nice, delicate way. Mm-hmm. But you would think that coming from that and being wired that way, that I wouldn't be seeking anything that would create or exacerbate that. However, I think it's really more like I'm so used to it. Just go for what I want to in life. Yeah. And hey, so I'm anxious. I'm used to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think we seek drama. I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of addicted to drama sometimes. But yeah, I just got to the point where I was, I think when I was younger, I was, Kind of like a, I wanted to be that anxious. I wanted that that frenetic energy. But now, you know, it's like, good Lord, you get older and you've been out here for a few years. It's just like, good Lord, I don't have the energy. I just yeah. want to work. I just want to do my work. I want to do good work. I want to try to think up funny shit with my friends and hope somebody pays me an obscene amount of money for it. Well, the challenge, you know, what's... By the way, what am I getting paid for this? I paid for your parking. That oh. was $6. Yeah. Okay, I'm already in the hole. Yeah, it was a good deal for me. It was a real good deal for me. I made out like a bandit. And I got you a water for do- those were uh, that was like a I don't know about eighty nine cents because I got a deal a Seven Eleven two of those it, for. I will say it is fine, fine water. It's good Arrowhead water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the Arrowhead hall. water, one hundred percent mountain spring water. So you do voices, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about that one in particular. Your voicemail, you, your outgoing voice uh, is spooky. It's horrible. Everybody, I, ha- everybody I despise hates it. It, it yeah. was funny the first time, but you know, mm-hmm. we get it. Yeah. You need, there's no way fucking around it. I was just Oh, being, you tell me to push a one. Push yeah. the number one. Yeah, you can push the number one. You can bypass he it. He sounds like a creepy guy in a funeral home. And nah, it's, it's a yeah. hostage situation every time you call him. Yeah, because you, you can't figure out how to get around it. I don't like talking on the phone. You don't like talking on the phone no. or getting calls? Cause it, Neither. Yeah. Oh, well, I like it when you call. Thank you. I don't answer, but... I know you never do. I just assume you're in a funk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You assume Honestly, correctly. I always feel like if you don't answer the phone, you're probably depressed. I could or, be on the toilet. You could be, but I don't mind if you pick up then. Because half the time I'm I on, do. I don't. Do? Did you just say I do? I Was do. Was that a poo-poo joke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is good. Was that a duty job? Live from the groundlings. <laughs> you All see. those years of paying off. <laughs> nice work. Do-do jokes. I think that as a creative person, we are, I hate to speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. I think that, that as a creative person, I'm much more sensitive than perhaps mm-hmm. maybe others. Although then I think, well, any like you just said, anyone would be anxious when... You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Even, you know, you could be an A-list celebrity. And I know guys, you know, they're still freaked out. Yeah. When they're not working. I mean, this mm-hmm. isn't about necessarily where you are on the on the success yeah. poll. I ran into uh ladder, not Paul. <laughs> I ran into, I mean, I'll never forget this. I ran into the guy who played Kramer, um, Michael. Michael Richards. Yeah. Right. This is a long time ago, but it was after Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him about Curb. And I said, you know, what do you think of it? And it was interesting because he came off in his response as jealous. Yeah. And jealous of Larry David. And did he call them all N-words? No, because there are no black people on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, actually, yeah. there is a one, but I don't know if he was oh, there yeah. yet. Yeah. But, and that is a reference, if you don't know, right. to uh, Michael Richards using the N-word in the yeah. Laugh Factory in Hollywood, which right. did a big star. But I was so fascinated. I mean... He was at that time, and he still is, a multi, I'm talking about Michael Richards, uh-huh. Kramer, a zillionaire. Yeah. 
if he's making a hundred an episode, hundred grand. I and- think in the last season when I, because I, I did the, the third to the last episode in the last season, and I know that they were their deal for that year was the three supporting cast members were getting six hundred grand an episode. So and they did twenty six or whatever. Plus so. residuals, and that was one season. He was in many seasons. Yeah, so... But, but he, I was the just point is, I was he's a zillionaire, and yeah, yeah. Like you're an A-list celebrity mm-hmm. who just got off one of the biggest his, uh, sitcoms in TV history, yeah. and instead of being gracious and excited for Larry David, and by, if you don't know, Larry David was one of the creators of Seinfeld, who mm-hmm. then went on to create Curb Your Enthusiasm, which he also stars in. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was talking to Michael Richards about, mm-hmm. the Larry David series, yeah. Curb. And so it just reminded me that it doesn't matter what... It's almost... I agree with you, though. It's almost like we, in this profession, it's like we need something to be anxious about. We need something to I don't know if we need it or it just happens Subconsciously, I think we do sometimes. Well, that kind of scares me because it's so self-destructive. It is self-destructive. We're a self-destructive lot. I one time went to a therapist. I was talking... What? <laughs> Not just one time, but I, but this one... Let me rephrase that. Yeah. I went to a therapist years ago. I was actually going through divorce. And I, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if I was going to get divorced, but I knew I needed to end it. And she was a really great woman, but it mm-hmm. just wasn't... things. There were certain things that weren't right. And I was explaining to her my angst. And that is the correct way to say that word, by the way. Oh, thank yes, you. Yes, yes. I was wondering... <laughs> <laughs> so pretentious, but I have to I have to say it the right way and then explain that. I think I it's think, actually angst. It's, is it? Because it's from the German. It is German. I don't know. I'm making it no. up. Well, I'll go along with that. It is German. So anyways, um, the therapist said, Vic, wow, you have such a high tolerance for pain. Like she was impressed. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that's why earlier I was saying perhaps we have a higher tolerance for pain. Yeah, I, I mean that was I also a reference to a lot of stuff that wasn't the showbiz stuff. There were other things in my life, and I think that's yeah. true. You have to have not only a thick skin, but you also have to have the ability to not stop. Yeah, and under no circumstances, because half the the biggest mistake people make is often not continuing. Oh, I think yeah. I mean, and I think <laughs> I think one of the muscles you have to develop out here is just be able to process disappointment. How do you rejection. do that? Uh, a lot of cocaine. It, no, I, well, that's true. You said nothing about cocaine. You just said sugar. I lost a lot flour. of weight. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, actually, when by Splenda <laughs> in my coffee, I meant Damon does Colombian not do jungle snow. No. Um, How do you do it? How do you deal with that? Um, I uh, I've tried meditating uh, recently, and, I, and you know it's not too bad. But I'm so fidgety. I'm an anxious guy, and I'm I'm a nervous guy. I'm a knuckle cracker, and like I can do about ten minutes. I actually downloaded a meditation app on my iPhone, and it's just a woman and ocean sounds, and you can set it for like five to twenty minutes. You can do ocean sounds, or the sounds of a stream, or sounds of a, of a forest. And then some woman with this unbelievably like quaalude voice going like, simply be, find a comfortable position. And I've, I've done it like three or four times. And it's just like, I can't wait for the fucking 10 minutes. To it's over. painful. I, it's it's just like, I, I can't sit still. And like, I just want to go drink coffee and type real fast and think of, you know, dick jokes. And from that. Yeah. So it's working. Yeah. I can, no, but I mean, it's like meditation. The idea is to try to be still right. for one small part of the day. And I find it's very difficult for me. 
It's just, that's what they call a discipline. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. It really does take I really discipline. admire people that can do it, and I can totally see the benefit of it. What is your discipline when it comes to your writing and creating when you don't have a structured day, when you're not on a show? Uh, I give myself a three-hour block, and I try to do that in the morning. And it, it, that, that I think the time that I write the best in the morning, I get a big old cup of black coffee, just sludge, and I just sit and I, I make myself type for three hours. And is there an um, agenda when you start? Um, there hasn't been like the, I just finished a script that is going out um, that I just turned into my agent, and that was like over the last three months. So I had that to work on, and I've taken other odd jobs like writing, you know, uh, on shows and promos, and then helping uh, developing this Groundlings show. Now we briefly talked about how you do voices. I mean, very mm-hmm. briefly. You also are writing music for Looney Tunes. Yeah, the Looney Tunes show. I worked on that last two years. I got to write. Uh, uh, and perform songs called Merry Melodies for all the characters. And I did that with uh, another Groundlings uh, buddy of mine, Ben Falcone. What do you mean by for all the characters? All the characters, like for Daffy Duck. and They each and, sing a song? Yeah, we we wrote songs. We probably wrote about 20 songs for each season. So I'm, I'm working on the season two masters right now for, they're going to release the iTunes album for season two. Uh, on iTunes in June, I think June twenty fifth. Now, does this something. mean you own the material? No, no, of course not. You, you know, they they own it, but I'll you know I'll get royalties and stuff. Well, from what I've read, music producers get rich. People who produce music, yeah, make a lot of money. That's what I've heard too. Now, what's your deal? Uh, I get five million dollars, and it's a fair question. It's very personal, but <laughs> no, I mean, uh, is this like any? Are you is this as good as writing for Justin Bieber? I mean, oh hell except, no. Why hell not? No. I'm not I, saying you know, that. Here's I, the thing. I don't know. You financially, know, Justin, I'm we, I don't know if Justin Bieber writes his own songs, but I know a lot Whoever. of popular artists don't write their own songs. And there are people that just make a living writing songs. Right. Aren't people. you doing, aren't you we like wrote that? for some? No. I think for television, especially for an animated show, it's not as much. Even if so, they're going to do an album? Yeah. I mean, we'll get like literally pennies, I think, per, you know, like per hundred or thousand downloads. It's, it's so like, it's like a work nothing. for hire. Yeah. It's like a work for hire thing. And, and the money, you know, we get like a flat rate, but we, the songs were so freaking fun to do. And like, uh, they got a lot of cool people to do the voices. Kristen Wiig was the voice of Lola Bunny. Um, Fred Armisen from also from Saturday Night Live was the voice of uh, Speedy Gonzalez. Um, John O'Hurley, who was on uh, Seinfeld, was. So where do we get to see this? Uh, it's on Cartoon Network. Um, the show's on Cartoon Network in the second season, but there's tons of stuff up on YouTube. And you how, can go do to, fi- how do people find it? <clears throat> you can go to um, cartoonnetwork.com and see episodes, but it's on Cartoon Network. I'm sure. I think it's on Wednesday and nights. What, what's, what are the keywords to look up here? Uh, Cartoon Network, a Looney Tunes show. Um, and that would be the and, new one? They would be automatically? Yeah, the new one, yeah. Because Mar- Looney Tunes has been around for years. It's been on for years, but look for the Looney Tunes show. Okay. That's that's what the one on Cartoon Network is called, and then the songs that we do are called Merry Melodies. They're all they're on YouTube. There's a channel YouTube channel. You could also look Cartoon up Merry Melodies. Merry Melodies, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, according to your credits, you've also done two voices. I don't know if they've done more, but in particular, I saw Marvin the Martian and yeah. Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, I got to do those voices in the songs. Um, I we got to sing a lot on the songs. Ben uh, Falcon did the little chicken hawk guy. Um, and then, yeah, they had a lot of really fun people doing Well, let's hear Foghorn, Leghorn. Foghorn, uh, well, I'll tell you, boy, I ain't no chicken. Listen, I say, listen to me, boy, I ain't no chicken. <laughs> what you want is a real old-fashioned Alabama chicken right over there. And then he points to the dog, and the dog is sleeping. <laughs> is that the actual <laughs> line? 
I don't know. I was just improvising. I like that. I can't. We That's wrote fun. one. We wrote that a song. Great. We wrote a song for Foghorn called "Cock of the Walk." And Can I you can't, sing a little? Can't believe. No, I can't believe we didn't get the. We didn't get censored. But literally, I was like, they wanted to call the song "Cock of the Walk," or that was our title. And they were like, yeah, we think we are. I'm like, the censors will never let us say cock for a kid's cartoon. But Is that's it, what it's called. It's called Cock of the Walk. Can't you sing a little? It's in its uh, Foghorn Leghorn, uh, just basically doing Johnny Cash. And he just talks. He basically raps. Your voice is a little raspy tonight. Mm-hmm. Is that from work? It's from doing all the podcasts that I do. <laughs> yeah, right. I do a tour. I just have a limo that takes me around from <laughs> podcast to podcast. And I'm just getting real dry. At what the about end Marvin the Martian? I, I don't know if I'd recognize Marvin the Martian, but I'd like to hear it. What? I have a laser beam and it's pointed right at your planet. So be very nice to me, Earthling. I'm super fun. <laughs> I'm very misunderstood. We Yeah, we wrote a bunch of songs for Marvin because he turned out to be, it's a really popular character. And I'm really, like, I was so stoked to be able to do that voice because it's one of my favorite characters. So now, isn't that really hard to have to match a voice that's already existed? Yeah, uh, but, you know, like, Jeff Bergman is this master voiceover guy, and he does Daffy and Bugs. And uh, he at does the same few, time, like uh, a- yes, which is really hard to pull <laughs> off. <laughs> no, no, but he does the voice of of each of those characters, and I mean, those are like as iconic as it comes. Mel Blanc did all of those, right? And Blanc, that is how no, you that's pronounce blank. it. It's Blanc. No, it's, it's Blanc. <laughs> it's a German word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but any other voices? Those are the two that I did. I did a ton of like background singing for the for the tracks and everything. They let us. You know, I have a studio at my house, and so I got to like perform all the instruments and and write them in the studio and play them. And I mean, and how good really, are really you cool. as a musician? Um, I've been playing guitar for like twenty five years. I mean, are you one of these guys who can play by ear on like a guitar? A lot. A, I can't uh, read music really. Really? Can you play well on a piano? I can do what they call crabbing, which is I can figure out what the chords are and then and then play them on a track and do 783 takes until I get it right. You never took a, taken a music lesson? No, not on guitar. I took piano when I was a kid and I hated it. You can't I always just, I learned to play guitar by listening to records nonstop, sitting around in my house in my underwear playing guitar to old records. It helps when you're in your underwear. Yeah. Why? It's very liberating. <laughs> oh, I know. I do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I haven't written anything though. No. I usually get distracted by myself in my underwear. Mm-hmm. So... All that, you, all that beauty. It's, yes. All the glory. There is a lot of it. Yeah. So you don't know how to write music. I do know how to write music. I've written a ton of songs, I mean, but I pen don't. Pen to paper? But, but like as far as notation, like write notes on the page, I don't. You don't treble clef, bass clef? I know what those are, but I don't, I can't. Like my brother is a phenomenal musician that's classically trained and like he can, you can put any piece of music in front of him and he can just play it on guitar, on bass, on a lot of things, but I can't. I just never learned to do it. How do you it. get through that? We're going to have to wrap it up here. I mean, I'd love to. Yeah. I wish we could continue. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with all the highs and lows in your life, mm-hmm. the, the different challenges that come with your with this profession, again, in as brief a way, but, ac- you know, specifically, how do you deal with the highs and the lows and the joys and the disappointments? I just try to take them, I, honestly, and I hate saying this. I don't know a better way to say it, but I've tried to just be more positive. And be just enjoy the good things that I've been able to enjoy in the groundlings and my friends and being able to work um, and just trying to stay positive because there's every, I feel like this L.A. is like a nonstop parade of negativity and the business. There's so many reasons to be negative and there's you have to find the reasons to be positive. And this is you know what I like to do what I do. I like to think up funny shit with my friends and 
and try to get paid for it. And that's a good job. So I'm thankful for them. And I'm thankful for you, Damon, for our friendship and also for all the creativity and, Thanks, and for keeping Duke. what you do going. And Thanks, uh, man. Yeah, you're a really special person. Thanks, man. I want to thank all of you, too, for listening right here to Vic Cohen's It's a Fair Question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, 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 and...